denied, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. Who do you say or what do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your holy word this morning, it is our desire to sit under your word, to submit our lives to the truth of your word. And so we pray, Father, that you would fill us with a holy hunger for more of you. We pray, God, that you would give us a strong desire to look into your word and apply it to our lives. And Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us to follow you and and strengthen us to depend upon you and strengthen us through your word this morning. And Father, we ask that we would um, that we would come to your word with expectant hearts today. And Lord, that you would deliver, that you would meet us at our point of need. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. The title of the message this morning is A Faithful Witness. A Faithful Witness. John's Testimony. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage. We see John the Baptist's testimony. John the Baptist, as distinguished and different from John, the author of the Gospel of John, John the Apostle. John the Baptist was one who was the forerunner of Christ, and he died during Jesus' ministry. John the Apostle lasted to be, as, uh, as tradition tells us, to be the last of the apostles alive, and most probably died of natural causes, though he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. John the Apostle, also the author of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of the Revelation. And so this morning, as we look into verse 19, verses 19 through 28, we see a faithful witness and a portrait of a faithful witness in the person of John the Baptist. John the Baptist gives us a faithful witness and a faithful testimony uh, of, of Christ and pointing to Christ and showing us who Christ is and proclaiming and preparing the way for Christ to come. We're informed of certain details of John the Baptist and about his ministry and his life through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they're not included here in John's account. We know from those traditions that John was out in the wilderness preaching a message of repentance, calling people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We know that he rebuked the religious leaders as they came to him. We, we know that, that he was a man who dressed very strangely, right? He wore uh, camel's hair for a, a garment, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and he had a very strange diet. He ate locust and wild honey. 
But John doesn't give us any of these details in his account. Instead, John, John is intent to highlight a different, uh, a different aspect or a different point about the ministry of John the Baptist. He intends to highlight how John the Baptist comes as one who testifies or witnesses of Jesus. He's one who comes to share and to proclaim this message as the forerunner, witnessing and testifying to the one Jesus Christ who will come. And so this concept of witness or testimony in John's gospel is a significant concept. The word that's used for witness is the word from which we get our English word martyr from. John uses this noun 14 times in his gospel. The three other gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, don't even add up to the same number as John's. That is to say that it's a theme in the gospel of John. In fact, in all of John's writings, the John, the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of the Revelation, John uses some 75, he uses this word some 75 times to speak of testimony or to speak of witness or testifying. And so John's point is different in that regard. In that he's showing us this testimony of who Jesus Christ is. As he's already begun doing in the prologue in verses 1 through 18. Highlighting for us who Jesus is. And pointing us to see that Jesus truly is the Christ. And so John points us to many different witnesses throughout his gospel. To testify of the truth that Jesus is the light of life. And he is the Messiah. In fact, he uses several things to testify. And so as we just kind of skim through the Gospel of John, there's several things he uses and says, testify or witness that Jesus is the Christ. One of those is the works of Christ. In John chapter 5, verse 36, it says, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. John 5.39 also says, You search the Scriptures, Jesus speaking to the crowds, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. What's the point? The point is, the Apostle John, as he's writing this gospel, is wanting the reader, wanting the hearers to see, to hear, to know that Jesus truly is the Christ. He truly is the Messiah. And so he showcases all of these works that add up to give testimony and to testify that Jesus really is who he says he is. The one Savior come down from God. God becoming flesh. The Word became flesh in verse 14 of chapter 1. Not only do the works of Christ testify to Him being Christ, to Him being God, the Scriptures also testify there in verse 39 of chapter 5 that we just read. You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But they bear witness, he says. 
And then each person of the Trinity throughout the Gospel of John, he shows us each person of the Trinity bears witness to who Jesus is. In John 5.32, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony he bears about me is true. And verse 37 says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. Jesus himself in many places throughout the Gospel of John, bears witness to himself. But in John 8, 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. This idea of witness, of of testimony, is huge in the Gospel of John. The Holy Spirit bears witness in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me. That is Jesus telling his disciples, it's the Holy Spirit who resides within you. He will bear witness. When I send the Holy Spirit, he will come and he'll bear witness about me and he will will reveal to you those things which I have spoken. There are others in the Gospel of John that John points out are a witness or a testimony about Jesus. We see that in their interaction with Jesus. In John 4.39, there's the woman of Samaria who after this dialogue and interaction with the Christ, she goes away and she goes into the town and then she says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me all that I ever did. We see the crowd in John 12.17 the crowd that had been with them when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, it says, and, and once he raised him from the dead, they continued to bear witness. I know I'm belaboring the point for witness, but it's significant in the Gospel of John. He's wanting us to see that many things testify and witness of Christ, the works, the people that he interacted with, the Father, Him, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Scriptures, they all point to this one truth that Jesus Himself has come from God, has walked among us on this earth. And John says, we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. And so here, in verses 19 through 28, we have this one testimony from John the Baptist. We have the witness of John the Baptist as he testifies of Jesus Christ and what Christ has come to this earth to do. And so I want us to see the first characteristic of a faithful witness is this, that a faithful witness points others to Christ. A faithful witness points others to Christ. This is what John is making his life about. This is what John has come to do. He has come to point others to Jesus Christ. Verse 13, in fact, uh, verse 19, in fact, begins with this statement. This is the testimony of John. This is what he had to say and make known about what God has revealed to him and how he's speaking the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we see in verse 19 that the religious leaders send out a delegation. And as they send out a delegation, they come to Jesus, or they come to John. And it's the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem that come and they ask him, they say, who are you? 
They want to know who is this man that we see from the other Gospels as he's out in the wilderness preaching. Who is this man? Who are you? In this question, they insinuate that John himself has claimed to be the Christ. Why would they ask John this question, who are you? Well, they would ask him that because there are many people that are coming around and hearing the message. There are many people that are starting to to come to him and follow, and he's preaching this message of repentance. He's preaching this message of turning to Christ and, and, and are turning and preparing, being prepared for the way of the Lord. Great crowds are gathering to him to hear him preach as he's out in the wilderness. And John's message was accompanied with power. His message was a different message than what people had heard. And there was nothing that had been preached like this in the last 400 years as he was the first prophet to come in 400 years since the time of the Old Testament. And so he preached with a conviction, calling people to repentance And his testimony was simple and it was straightforward. And when they asked this question, who are you? Verse 20, it says, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I don't know if you recognize it here, but that's kind of a strange structure for that sentence. The reason it's strange is because John's wanting to point out to us grammatically that John is vehemently denying that he is the Christ. He's not wanting anybody to miss this. He doesn't want this testimony to get confused. He wants everybody to know that he's not the Christ, but he is coming to proclaim the Christ. In fact, he's wanting to point others to Christ. And so there in verse 20, when it says he confessed, he did not deny, he confessed, I'm not the Christ. Then they ask him another question. They said, what then? Are are you Elijah? They got this from the Old Testament, from Malachi, thinking that Elijah would be the one who would come and prepare the way for the Lord. In fact, Malachi 3.1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of And then Malachi 4, 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. But John denies and says he is not Elijah. But in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 10, Jesus himself says, and the disciples ask him, Then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah Elijah does come. And he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking of John the Baptist. Why would John the Baptist deny that he is Elijah when they ask him? I think the reason is because he's wanting to continue to point them to Christ and they have a bad understanding of who Elijah is and how he would come. He wasn't Elijah in the sense that they expected. They thought Elijah would come in bodily form. And John knew that this is what they were thinking. And so he says, no, I'm not Elijah. But being sensitive to his role as a witness 
He continuously wants to point all people to Jesus. He wants to make less of himself and much of Jesus. And so as they come and ask him, are you Elijah? He says no, because they don't understand that he comes in the spirit of Elijah, not in the form. Many thought Elijah would come back in the same way that he was taken up to be in God's presence and glory through a chariot of fire. Many thought he would come back in that same way, and so they were, they were looking for, they were trying to figure out and understand who this mysterious man, John, was that is proclaiming repentance and calling people out to be baptized. Then they ask him a third question, are you the prophet? John says no. Now, they didn't ask him, are you a prophet? But they ask him, are you the prophet? Most probably, they're referring to Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18, where they question and reference Moses and a prophet who would come, who would be like Moses, who would be the Messiah, not John the Baptist. The point, though, in all of these questions that they are asking is, first, they're trying to figure out who this man is, John the Baptist. And John is simply trying to point them in the direction of Christ. A faithful witness points others to Christ. And that's exactly what John the Baptist is trying to do. John the Baptist understood his role as one who was the forerunner to the Messiah. One who would point others to Jesus. He didn't desire to have any fame for himself. But he knew his purpose was to point others to Christ. We learned this in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 1. He came as a witness to testify about the light, speaking of John the Baptist, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. That is to say that John the Baptist is one who came to proclaim the message and to be a witness for the coming of Messiah. As John was a faithful witness who wanted to point others to Christ. I want to ask us this morning. Are we faithful witnesses? That want to point others to Christ as well. Or do we at times, oftentimes, many times, sometimes. Want the spotlight to shine on us and on our lives or. Perhaps what we're doing for others, what we're doing for the kingdom of God, what what we're doing that's earning us uh, what we think to be brownie points with God. Do we understand the role of a faithful witness? The role of a faithful witness like John the Baptist is to point all people to Christ, not to let any Uh, any attention continue to rest upon us, but to point all people to Christ. It's masterful how John does this. He certainly is humble, and we'll see that more in a moment. But John wants to point all people to Christ. He is concerned. He is vehemently concerned with people not making the mistake to think that it's him that's doing the good work. It's him that is the Savior. He wants all people to see that they need to turn to Jesus. 
that they need to see the one who is coming as the Savior and not mistake that it would be him. I mean, it would be tempting, wouldn't it? I mean, many people are coming to hear him. The religious leaders have even taken notice of his ministry and all the people that are following him. But he continues to point them back to Christ. He continues to say, no, and deny, I am not the Christ. No. It's not about me. It's about him. And he wants to make sure that he is reflecting that. He understands his role as a witness is to point others to Christ. How are we doing, church? Are we in our role as witnesses pointing others to Christ? Can people look at our lives and say, I know that Nick Taylor is a believer? Can they look at me and say, I know that that his life reflects the glory of Jesus Christ? Can they look at us like they look at John the Baptist and hear the words that we speak and know that, that we're pointing them not to ourselves, not to cross point, not to the good things that we do, but pointing them to Jesus Christ. It's not a coincidence that today we began studying through Sunday school evangelism and uh, being challenged in this way through the scriptures to evangelize our community. Now, I'm not good enough to, to plan it out that these ser- this sermon would just hit on the same day that we began that first week of study. That's a God thing. But I, I want us to recognize this call of God in our lives to be faithful witnesses not in the same degree that that John the Baptist was and that he came as the forerunner to Christ, proclaiming and paving the way. But now by the gifting of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God is calling us to be faithful witnesses, to point others to Christ through our lives. So I want to encourage us this morning as we consider John the Baptist, how he answers these questions, he He answers them in such a way as not to draw attention to himself, but just to point people to Jesus. The second characteristic I think we see of a faithful witness is that a faithful witness embraces his or her calling. A faithful witness embraces his or her calling. In verses 22 and 23, verse 22, he says, Then they said to him, Who are you? They didn't get the answer they were looking for. They wanted to know who he was, but he didn't give them the answer they were looking for. So they asked him again, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replies to their question in verse 22 by quoting the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah 40, verse 3, that which Dr. David read a few moments ago. You see, the responsibility of a witness is to speak the truth. And in response to their question, he says in verse 23, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. That is, John is in the midst of the wilderness and he's crying out to the people who are coming to him. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Make straight the way of the Lord. Prepare your heart for the 
king of God and for, for the kingdom of God, for Christ is coming. And so as he's out crying out in the wilderness. He's embracing this call that God has placed on his life. He's being faithful to the call of God in his life as he goes out and he begins to proclaim this message. In fact, we later learn that John didn't know who Jesus was. Look down in verse 31. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. That is, Jesus is saying, I didn't know who the Messiah was, but I just came. I came baptizing with water. Why? Because that's what God told me to do. John the Baptist was a man that embraced his call. He knew what God had called him to do, and he wouldn't let go of it. He says, I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Make every hill flat. Make every rocky place smooth. Prepare your heart to meet the Savior is what he is proclaiming. And as faithful witness, as a faithful witness, John the Baptist is calling people out of darkness and calling them to see the light. Come and repent. Make yourself ready for the kingdom of God. And if John was going to embrace his calling, it meant practically. It meant that he had to get out among the people. It meant that he had to get out and proclaim the message so that people would be ready when Christ came. There's another aspect of John's ministry that really kind of stands out to me. And it is the fact that as he embraced his ministry, he was distinct. He stood out. He had these different clothes and he had this different diet. And people thought he was weird and strange, like many of the prophets of old. So I'm not saying that God is calling us to wear coats of camel's hair, right? Or eat the same thing as John, though honey is good. But I would suggest to us that if we're going to embrace the calling of God in our lives to be faithful witnesses, it's going to impact how we live. It's going to impact the things that we do and the things that we say. It's going to impact the motive that we have as we are reaching others and befriending others. It's going to impact the places we go. It's going to impact everything about our lives. The call of John the Baptist was to be faithful, to be a faithful witness who embraced his calling as one who would be a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. You know, I think there are times in our life, I know certainly in my life, where I'm reluctant. I'm reluctant to embrace God's calling where I feel the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, speak to this person. Maybe I'm on my way to a meeting or 
I feel the sense the Holy Spirit speaking and say, stop and help this person on the side of the road. And maybe we're late to get to work. I don't know. Sometimes we're <clears throat> reluctant to embrace our calling. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But after experiencing that, it, it hurts to recognize and to realize that I missed the opportunity that God had placed before me to be a faithful witness for Him. And John the Baptist is one who doesn't want to miss the opportunity to be a faithful witness as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge us this morning that we ourselves would be gripped with the responsibility of what it means to be a faithful witness for Christ and to embrace the calling of God in our lives. This might mean sharing the gospel. It does. It does mean not might. It does. It does mean that we would share the gospel through evangelism and not just share our testimony as we saw this morning, but to specifically share and speak about the word of God. I even think about this in regard to my parenting as a as a father. If I if I want my children to learn to love the word of God, they must see that rich testimony in my own life that I love the Word of God. If I'm going to be a faithful witness outside of the home, I must also be one inside the home. And so this impacts me at, at, the, very, uh, at the very core level of, of who I am as a father, as a husband, as a son to my Heavenly Father. Every aspect of our lives. It means that as we walk day to day, we are being filled with the Holy Spirit and that we are seeking to carry out what He is calling us and leading us to do. Those things which are objective and, and given to us and revealed to us in His Word and also those things which are subjective which come to us as we spend time in prayer and quote the Word of God and, and simply hear from the Holy Spirit in the midst of situations and circumstances. And so I, w- I want us to hear this and to see how John the Baptist was a faithful witness who embraced his calling and that we too are to be faithful witnesses who embrace our calling, meaning that we walk with Christ, that we follow him, meaning that the Holy Spirit prompts us and leads us and we obey this message that John the Baptist is proclaiming. It is a message that is contagious it's a message that people are gathering around to hear because they've not experienced anything like this before and so the religious leaders want to know all about him and it would be easy for john to begin taking credit but we see that he doesn't instead he continues to point them to christ the one who would come the third characteristic i want us to see this morning of a faithful witness A faithful witness is one who humbles himself or herself. We see this in John the Baptist's ministry continued in verses 24 through 28. Tells us the identity. Now they had been from the Pharisees, those who had come asking questions. And they asked him and said to him in verse 25, Why then are you baptizing? If you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, 
You see, for them, they come, they want to know, they're, they're trying to protect their religion, and they certainly have a right to do that, and they want to know why is this man coming to baptize if he's not the Messiah, if he's not Elijah, the forerunner that they think he ought to be, or if he's not the prophet from Deuteronomy. What gives him the right to baptize? In verse 26, John answered in a way, but he really doesn't answer their question. John answered saying, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. I love the way John answers this because even in answering their question, he directs their attention away from him and really speaks of the insufficiency of his baptism, that it won't, it won't bring eternal life. It won't bring life. In fact, he later on goes to say, I came baptizing in water, but he will come and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So he, even at this point, is distinguishing himself from the Christ and not wanting to make much of himself. And he directs their attention away from him. And there in verse 27, he says, It is he who comes after me, the one whom you do not know, the one whom he will reveal in verse 34 and say, This is the Son of God. The one whom he reveals in verse 29 and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This one is standing among you and you do not know him. And he says, This one who comes after me the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Now, Jesus was born after John the Baptist. But if we look back to verse 15, we see this confession of John. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And so John has this continual testimony on his lips of, uh, of, of the high exaltation of Christ and of his lowliness. And he says, it's he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I want you to catch a glimpse of what John is saying here. Now, you know that in this day there are not paved roads or sidewalks and not closed-toed tennis shoes. There are sandals that people wear, and it's this strap that comes up between the big toe and the middle toe and you tie it around your ankle and these feet get stinky and dirty and nasty and it's considered such a uh, such a, a, a lowly job to untie someone's sandal and to wash their feet that they would reserve that for Gentile slaves they wouldn't even let a Jewish slave do it unless there were no other slaves around they would not even let a Jewish slave do this. This was reserved for the lowest of low. And John the Baptist, the one whom Jesus says, there's no greater man born to women than this one, John the Baptist, he himself says, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. I'm below him. I'm beneath him. John sees his role as a faithful witness, as one who is humbled in the service of Christ. That is to say, he sees himself 
against this God, against God, creator of the universe and creator of him. And he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. I'm not worthy to even be in his presence. I want to say, when that's our attitude, there's no one that's going to question whether we are faithful witnesses and servants of Christ. When we have that humble mindset, church, there's no one that's going to question our devotion to Christ and our faith in Him. And if they do, it doesn't matter anyway. He who comes after me, I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. One man said, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself than other people, nor does it mean having a low opinion of your own gifts. It means freedom from thinking about yourself one way or the other at all. You see, what John was interested in doing, he was interested in decreasing so that he might exalt Christ. As a faithful witness, John wanted to be humble and a servant. John humbly wanted to point others in the direction of Christ. John humbly embraced this calling of God in his life. The key is being faithful to what God is calling us to. I want to ask you this morning, church, are we being a faithful witness? Are we being faithful in our witness to Christ and about Christ? One of the passages that we looked at this week and spent some time meditating on, talking about, during the youth trip, was Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, which says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are perishing and among those who are being saved. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Let me tell you, church, as we are faithful in being witnesses for Christ, God's desire is that He would use us. He would use each of us and witnessing and evangelizing and sharing our faith, that we would bring life to life to those who are being saved. That is inclusive of even in the body, as we're being witnesses to one another, we are bringing life to life to those of us who are being saved. But also those who are coming into the fold for the first time and being converted and having a transformation of life for the first time. But I want you to also know this, that as we're being faithful as witnesses, not everyone will respond positively. In fact, most probably won't respond positively. And Paul terms it this way when he says to those who are perishing, we are the aroma from death to death. God desires to use you to use me. He desires that we would be faithful witnesses for his gospel 
we see this model of a faithful witness in John the Baptist, one who would faithfully follow after God, one who would embrace the call of God in his life, one who would follow hard after him, and, and one who would, who would point others to Christ, and one who would be humble in doing so. I want to ask us to consider this morning, are we being faithful witnesses for Christ? How is John's testimony to influence our living for Christ? Are we being faithful with the message of the gospel? Are we being faithful with God's calling in our life? I want to close in prayer, and as I do, I want to invite you to consider this, to pray about it, to ask the Lord to reveal ways in which you have been unfaithful to you, that you might confess those and repent and then ask Him to strengthen you to be faithful and maybe daily, daily ask the Lord to teach you how to be a faithful witness for Him. Let us pray. Father, we come before You this morning asking that You would strengthen us to be faithful witnesses for Your glory We see John the Baptist as one who came as the mouthpiece to speak, to prepare the way. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us daily to be faithful witnesses for you, that we would not be afraid to speak. Lord, that we would share this message of salvation. We know that we're not adequate for these things, but Lord Jesus, you, in your grace, have made us adequate. And so we thank you for the work of salvation in our lives. And we pray, God, that you would lead us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as the worship team leads us in a song. And just have a time of reflection, uh, maybe confession. If you need someone to pray with you, myself, Mr. Al, uh, or Dr. Dave would be available at the front to pray with you.